Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm the host, Steve Norman. I'm joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. Callum Petch. Hello. And Andrew Brooker. Evening, gents. As we take a look at the last week or so in film, finally uh, finalising the podcast with a review of uh, War of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, the film. War, War for the Planet of the Apes, I think. War for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, or, or that of a planet of the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Planet monkey fight. Monkey yeah. planet returns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Chimp rampage. Chimp they're, rampage? They're, they're, they're actually making a rampage film. So. Are um, they? Yeah. 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 yeah they're actually finally making it with the rock and everything because the rock apparently now needs to be in all oh. films by law. Just give it a rest, Dwayne. Apparently, Alexand- a- apparently, Alexandra Daddario will be having a cameo appearance as well, probably tying it into the San Andreas universe. Mm. They're making a San Andreas sequel. Oh, God, they actually are. Oh, they are. <laughs> Whilst I was at the cinema today, I saw a poster for Annabelle Creation that said, the next chapter in the Conjuring universe. Yep, the oh. Conjuring universe is now a thing. Jeez, could just stop, Warner Brothers. Just stop. You know, I've not seen a single one of those films yet. And, uh, I mean, of course, really? I am. I'm a baby. Really? So. I, I don't know how, considering how much I love all things horror, I seem yeah. to have missed all the Conjuring, Annabelle, everythings. So I've got them all waiting to watch yeah. just in time I, for creation. I, I was going to say, I think the first two, con- I think the, the two Conjuring movies are actually on Netflix. Um, yes, well, and well, the, they are very good films as well. And yeah. Annabelle's on Prime. Annabelle, I watched last week and was utter fucking horseshit. Well, I mean, yeah, well, I mean on one hand, it's not by James Wan. Well, yeah, so yeah. That's, that's probably the first problem. There is a, yeah, well, Do you I've, find uh, dolls creepy, Brooker? Are, are dolls all, all, are they really creepy? All, all, are you going to be creepy. creeped out? Then, you, then you'll probably like it because that hey, is literally hey, hey, all it is. Brooker, Brooker, are you scared of little girls? Are you scared of little girls as well? Because, oh, Hannibal Creation is probably going to be right up your street, Ben. <laughs> you're utterly terrified of little children. I, I have my own little girl that scares the shit out of me, so yes. <laughs> These are things that have never been done in horror movies before. This is brand new stuff that we needed to get the origin stories to. Okay, so so better or worse than The Boy? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The Boy oh. was worse, I would say. Annabelle is at least kind of well-made for what it is. <laughs> but, like, literally the only thing that's any good in Annabelle is the scene that was in the trailer. You know the scene where it's a little girl runs at a door, flings yeah. the door open, and it's like, yeah, that is it. That's the only bit that's in the film that's like, huh, that was good. To, to be fair, you've seen it a million times. The, the only thing that's got me excited even slightly about watching all of these films is the fact that David Sandberg is making mm. creation. The guy that made oh, yeah. Lights Out, and I fucking loved Lights Out. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Is this like how the guy did Ouija, who did that Ouija sequel as well also made something else that was really good? Was was that Hush? I think Netflix? it was, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, also I love the fact I love the fact this is probably the first time in like a year and a half that anybody has thought of a boy. Just <laughs> <laughs> Just I I kind of know it's Owen's benchmark for really shit horror. Yeah. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> but like, to be fair, it's yeah, my yeah. benchmark for really shit horror as well. <laughs> the only other thing I wanted to say about Annabelle, this isn't like what we've gone straight into what we've been watching weirdly, but like, I was going to say, can we stop making Annabelle Wallace a thing? Can we just stop trying to force that now? With the mummy. Oh, yeah. Oh, Arthur. yeah. Yeah. The, the guy did Annabelle actually has made a new PG-13 horror movie as well that came out in America this weekend. Apparently it's like Final Destination, but shit. There's an advert, literally, as we were talking, an advert for Annabelle Creation just turned up on my TV. That doll <laughs> looks like Chucky's kid in drag in Seed of Chucky. <laughs> yes. Seed of Chucky. It looks, like the, it looks like the Seed of Chucky when he dresses up in drag. If you haven't seen Seed of Chucky, Google Seed of Chucky and, and check out the kid kid when he dresses in drag it looks just like that fucking no, doll I, I i will i will add watching um the chucky movies alongside the same day that i start that i decide to try um friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street movies i decide because the other day i sat like the other day this is also gonna be out to what we've been watching already but fuck it i sat down my friend lucy and watched um killer list alien was gonna watch a third horror movie but um issues meant we couldn't amount there but we did a horror movie and i just sort of realized you know at some point we should sit down together and you should introduce me to shitty 80s horror movies well not <laughs> no, well, not shitty nobody you know, said shitty yeah well you like class you know like the kind of ones about there that become like like slasher movie kind of staples and that there that kind of turned cheesy as it went on and that there just like just sit down for a day and just watch it mainly because i keep you know, like seeing stuff about that friday the 13th game and thinking you know what? i've never actually watched a friday the 13th movie this could be fun i should i should get into that at some point i would so, i would enjoy listening to anything you have to say about the friday the 13th franchise I've literally just binged them from start to finish. I hear, I hear that they start actually good, then turn naff, and then turn naff. Isn't like the good kind of naff. Well, yeah, the, turn... but this is it. We're towards the end, like nine and ten are, are well, no, sorry, ten and Freddy vs. Jason are fucking terrible, but so so good. My favorite kind of cheap horror movie. <laughs> the, ones, the, the ones that the ones that have fun and recognize that they're being. Being yeah, like you know, so, yeah. any anyway. So let's just have like a quiz, a yeah, news. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> yeah, let's let's do the quiz then, where it's two all. Owen's hosting, and it's me versus Brooker. Um, yeah, just me apparently. Brooker, yeah, just Steve versus the world. Yeah, um, it's it's, pro- it's probably easier. I mean, I could just stand on the sidelines, go, "Yay, go Brooker!" or "Yay, go Steve!" <laughs> just uh, as things go on. Well, I do kind of apologise in advance because this is probably the shittest quiz I've put together in a good while. I thought, what's the e- what's the easiest but could be the most fun quiz that I could put together? And based on um, the radio show I did this morning, uh, Front Row with Paul Rutland, and he had a quiz on that which was about Google. I thought I'd rip him off, just do the same or similar kind of thing. <laughs> well, like, no so imagination to- at all. Just my mate did it this morning. I'm going to do it tonight. Yeah, I could put that together in about 15 minutes. That's good. That's he's, good. he's not on the podcast with me. You'll never know. Yeah. I, I didn't use the same same quiz. I will say I've changed it up a little bit. But basically, do you know? Do you guys know Google Feud? Yes. No. Okay. It's a web a web game based on um, where, you know, you, type, you start typing something into Google and it kind of auto-completes what you're looking for have you have you nicked have you nicked this from two friends i used to know at university who did the exact same game on their radio show only they called it auto incorrect oh right uh, no i haven't but Which it, it, it would be weird if i had wouldn't it yeah i was gonna say, arguably that's a better name. Has. 
Yeah. <laughs> it is a better name because Google Feud is a bit shit. Yeah. Um, and the ripoff cycle continues. So <laughs> basically, right, on Google Feud, you select one of four categories. You've got culture, uh, people, names or questions. And you have to then guess the top 10 autocompletes in Google searches for the question that it partially asks. I want you to guess as many of the top 10 autocompletes as you can. And I'm going to put you, Steve, against Brooker and Callum. And Steve can go first, I think, because it's only fair. Um, We've got three rounds. You get three opportunities each, after which point I'll move on to the next question. Right. Okay. Round one. Round one. I want you to guess the top 10 autocompletes for the question, has a person ever been dot, dot, dot? So, Steve, you get to guess first. Has a person ever been... What's this got to do with film? Nothing nothing at all to do with film. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Zero film-related relevance. Right. At least least we'll be honest about this this week. So, Um, has a person ever been... Have a person ever been to Mars? Bing! First one to Steve. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same effect. That's the most lifeless ding I've ever heard. <laughs> Bing. Right. Callum Brooker, has a person ever been? I wouldn't even know where to begin. To Mars was the second highest answer on the list, by the way. See, I'm, le- I'm leaving this to you first, I and mean, I'll try one next time. Okay. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's not democracy here, Brooker. We, we we take turns. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll stick with Steve's space-based theme and say to the moon. Ooh. No, it's not on there. No. <laughs> was that your? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> thing and then ooh. <laughs> like, a, like a like a guy trying to balance on a beam, about to slip off. Ooh. Ooh. Steve, has a person ever been? <laughs> Forward in time. Ooh. <laughs> right. Callum, Brooker, has a person ever been? Has a person ever been to the afterlife? Ooh. No. Two down. Steve is currently one point. So, Steve, has a person ever been? Back in time. No. <laughs> That's what, basically like, the exact same answer. Forward in time. No, or, in or time. no. No, that's not an answer. No, that's that's not an answer. And probably no, they haven't. No, they haven't. No. I mean, everybody goes forward in time all the time, but nobody's ever been backwards in time. What about Unless Back to came... the Future? Back ah, to the future. that documentary. documentary? <laughs> I suppose you could count, like, literally going backwards through time zones. Do we but... just get on with this? Anyway, so, uh, yes, Callum. Uh, Brooker, I should say. I think you're answering this time, right? Uh, okay. Has a person ever been... Uh, eaten by a tiger. <gasps> you were so fucking close with that one. No. What do you mean? Get it. Can we just get it, please? What do you mean can so we, close? What was the answer? Has a person ever been eaten by a shark, eaten by a snake, or swallowed by a whale? With three of the options. Oh, come on. I like, I like how it's not swallowed by a snake here as well. It's specifically eaten. It's, it's yep. <laughs> eaten by a snake, eaten by a shark, or swallowed by a whale. All right, so Steve wins that round then. Steve wins me. that round. So has a person ever been shipped, lost in space, <laughs> in a black hole, cloned, born with a tail, 
or mailed? Mailed was the top answer. Mailed, as in posted. There are posted. a lot of people who want to get involved with human trafficking here, aren't there? <laughs> yeah. Like, but like Tesco values human trafficking as well. <laughs> yeah. So Steve's currently got one point, and round two, is it bad to dot dot dot? So is it bad to have romantic thoughts about a family member? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. It, it is, is bad, but that's, tell us. that's not on the, the list, no. It's only um, similar on the list. Ish. You're, re- ish. you're really trying hard not to cheat, not, not to give us um, clues here, aren't you? There's 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 right. no sleeping with family members on there, no. That's not is it, is it is it wrong to cheat on your partner? No, that's not on there either. Nope. So, Steve, is it bad to Is it bad to trick somebody? Is that it? Just trick somebody. Just trick yeah. someone. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, unsurprisingly, no, that isn't on one. Of, that's not one of the most Google terms. Um, Tanner Brooker, <laughs> is it bad to send unsolicited dick pics? <laughs> Steve, to I've see. never sent them unsolicited, and this is a, this is a fact. <laughs> uh, well, that is incorrect as well. All of them. Whatever. Are you, the looking, for, are you looking for exact phrasing here, or, or are you willing no. to think of it in ballpark? The ballpark. It's. No, that's not in the ballpark. Every time I try and go to the website, I check movies. The first thing that always pops up on the other thing is, is I cheated on my on my girlfriend. For some reason, that's always the first thing that comes up as I'm typing. I check movies, which is, girl. Mm. Right. But okay, so who's goes it? Who's round it? Steve. Uh, Steve. Steve. Is it bad too? Uh, not eat healthily. <laughs> What? <laughs> is it bad to not eat healthily? Is not on the, the list. Of I'm trying to think what idiots would type into the internet. <laughs> You're doing a good great, job. Great, great, great. <laughs> up our audience like that, Steve. Who's, yeah. who's winning at the moment? You've got <laughs> one point. Well, there you go. One point. <laughs> Callum Brooker, is it bad to? Is it bad to kill a man? That's not on there either. No. Okay. So, sorry, okay. Brooker. I'm, ju- I'm just. I'm trying to think like Steve here. I'm trying to think. Like <laughs> Steve. Is it bad to not let a man live? Um. No. Okay. We've got. Is it bad to shave your arms? Is it bad to eat ice? Sleep on your side. Close a credit card. Run in the cold. I don't know what that's about. These are all weirdly mundane. <laughs> Have sex sleep on your day. side. Sleep on your side. Is it bad to sleep on your side? Is it bad to have sex every day? Is it bad to... <laughs> Who the fuck is teeth? asking that? Somebody who's never had sex before. <laughs> Imagine being so worried for your health that you're having sex every day and now it scares you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Depends who it's with. Depends what kind of sex. If it is with a relative, then probably oh, is yeah. a bad um, Is it bad to hold your pee? Is it bad to crack your neck? Is it bad to swallow gum? And the top answer, the most searched for, is it bad to sleep with socks on? What? People. Fucking people. Right. Who sleeps with socks on? This quiz is basically just me, like trying to talk like family members in that bit. Like when they're drunk in the evening that bit, just have rounded conversations about nonsense over and over and over again that you never get Even out. Even when it's like the coldest 
wear that ever. I don't sleep with socks on. What mad? What, do you, do you wear pajamas at all? Are you a nudie, sleep in a buff kind of guy? I sleep in my boxer shorts. This, this Owen. Is far too much information, please, Owen. Move on to the next question. <laughs> next, next, the question. It's the final round. It's the final round. So we can tie and make both of you watch terrible films. <laughs> no, because well, Steve is currently ahead, but you suppose you could tie. I haven't got a tie break. We will come to that. Can you milk a dot dot dot? What? And Steve, can you milk a rat? No, that's not one of the answers. Not a rat. Canon Brooker, can you milk a sheep? Is an answer. Yes. <laughs> oh shit! It's on. It's tying at the moment. Okay, Steve, can you milk a man? Is the top answer. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Of course it is. Steve is now 2 1. Okay. Callum Brooker, can you milk a. Oh, guys, it's all on me now, isn't it? Can you, can milk... you milk a cat? He's on there, yes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> That's third on the list. Steve, if you get this point, you've won. I'm, I'm going to say dog. Is not on the list. Oh, oh, so, oh my god! So let's go. So, let's go, Jackass, and can you milk a horse? Is on there. We you won. Fucking what you beauties! <laughs> which means, oh. which means, according to this agenda that I have here, that stated you were two-two before this episode. That means Owen now goes three-two when he wins. Oh, it's one. Yes, that was the comeback for the ages. Considering <laughs> I was two-nil down at one point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys, I fucking love you. Yes. I like you too, Owen. <laughs> oh. What are you making Steve watch for? Steve is going to watch Dangerous Game. Easy. Which <laughs> is a film that uh, Paul Field recently reviewed uh, in The Independent, when in The Independent, the worst football film ever made, he says. Worse than United Passions. Oh, yes. It will not be worse than goal three. It apparently <laughs> stars Callum Best. Yep. Yeah, Callum Best is in the... Is a uh, Dangerous Game is a supposed... This isn't the actual IME de- description here. Is a supposed yeah. action-packed British heist movie. <laughs> when Chris, yes. Callum Best, gets mixed up with the Russian mafia and Algerian gangsters while trying to help his best friend pay off a large debt, he has to decide if he puts his career on the rocks by embarking on a spree of dangerous robberies that could end up with him in prison or possibly dead. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that the official plot description here says supposed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yes, I, I would recommend people check out Paul's review. There's a link to it on our website, uh, valcritics.com. But yes, Steve, you're going to have to report back uh, on your own opinion of Dangerous Game for us. Easy. I want to know how Callum Best does as a mid-table Premier League striker earning £5,000 a week, who, which is ridiculous, gets into gambling debts. And I want to know how Darren Day is as a Russian mobster. Mm. So, fill us in. Don't, please don't, please don't blacklist. week. Mm. Yeah. please don't well, blacklist us from appearing on this podcast Steve it wasn't our fault <laughs> yeah. um, on to the news and there's been a couple of, we only on the uh, news oh, god damn it shit okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, yeah. we needed to have some fun before <laughs> things get sad, because this is actually quite sad news this week. So the, the first thing we're going to talk about is uh, Doctor Who is now a bloody woman. There's going to be tampons all over the TARDIS, and she's not going to be able to decide which planet she wants to go to. And uh, she's going to be rubbish. Not going to be able to park the bloody thing right. Bloody women ruining everything for everyone. Hang on, hang, hang on, guys. I do believe that is this podcast's one millionth ironic sexism joke. We did it, everybody. Hey. We did it. <laughs> we made it. Round of applause. I'm just glad we were able to clarify what gender the um, or sex the uh, uh, new doctor is. Because, you know, I haven't really heard anything about it. I mean, it hasn't just been every other tweet on Twitter for the past couple of days. So I'm oh, really... I'm not even picked a very good-looking you... one, have they? <laughs> is that what's that million and one go, yeah. go, go, goodbye <laughs> goodbye all, all of our female listeners it was nice knowing you it's... yeah <laughs> no i mean okay yeah great it's it's progressive that's good they've gone for um something different and from what i gather i don't watch doctor who so it doesn't i don't really care who they cast as doctor who anymore um from what i gather they kind of needed to do something different anyway because the show was flagging. And so, actually, it seems like it could be a really good and smart, clever move, not just a pandering to women kind of thing. I just don't care. I watched Doctor Who, and I quite enjoyed Doctor Who. It's a decent, light entertainment sci-fi programme. It's it's fun. Um, some, I think all the Doctors we've had since the, the, the reboot in... God, 2005 have been good. I think some of the the episodes and the series and the writers haven't been as good. Some of the doctors, especially Peter Capaldi, perhaps hasn't had the stories that he, de- you know, the 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 plots that he deserves. <clears throat> Stephen deserves. <laughs> but I just don't really care who plays the doctor as long as they do a good job of it. It's quite. I know it's a point that everyone's been hammering home, but people getting all bent out of shape about. It because it's it's Doctor Who's always been a man. It's a fucking alien that's nine hundred years old and travels through time. Uh, oh, Steve, Steve, just you wait until they inevitably eventually make James Bond a woman. That 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 will be the day when everything when like it'll just be scorched earth everywhere. It'll, it'll be well, impossible. It, it's, it's slightly different in. You know, no, 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 there, had, are, there are obvious differences in that bit. I'm just like mentioning yeah, that there. I mean, like, yeah, this kind of overall will happen over literally anything nowadays. Yeah, we've, and it's we've just, had similar things happen. So we've had, so had obviously a lot of talk about something like Idris Elba playing James Bond. James Bond in the books and in the literature has a pretty firm description as a as a white guy. Um, he even had didn't, in this didn't booth, Idris Elba uh, play James Bond though? In a, no, but there's uh, an audio play or he something. Could be the next Bond. I'm sure he did it in like an audio book or something. Well, it's that, but I think also the thing is that, like, um, I mean, I guess if you need that thing for Bond, I mean, Bond is, of course, he's meant to be the personification of the British male id, so it kind of has to be like a white, slightly, slightly misogynist looking, you know, like British guy mm. in that bit. But, uh, the uh, Manchester uh, United tattoo. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm, sa- I'm saying, oh, he's somebody who actually quite likes some Bond films, by the way, so don't. Yell me like that makes, but like it's it's it's, it's in the same way that um you know when Lady Ghostbusters came around about that in the end the gender means squat if the stories don't if the stories don't mesh up and mm. with Moffat going out the window 
um, who again, I don't wa- I I'm I'm speaking basically out of my arse here, Matt Bear, because I don't watch Doctor Who, but I did sit through three series of Sherlock. Um, like like maybe maybe that means that suddenly Doctor Who will actually gain the turnaround it needs, and it won't just be because it's a woman. It might be because somebody with talent is now writing those scripts. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, yeah. No. Okay, sorry, no, that's all right. Moffat can do talent. It's just that he finds himself too often up his own arse because he he like. Jack Jellies too much over yeah. needlessly complex lore and that there and being and stories that are clever for the sake of being clever. Should we should we name the woman? Yeah, we probably <laughs> should actually. It's kind of bad yeah. It's jo- Jodie Whittaker who's been cast. Do we know her from anything? I mean, I've seen her in a couple of things, but she was uh, in Brooke, Brooke, uh, apparently. But also that name's yes. ringing a bell. So hang on. She was in Attack the Block. Yes. Um, oh yeah. Mm. When is Joe going to make another film? Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, um, oh, yeah, and she was in the entire history of your episode of Black Mirror as well. Yes. She was in Black Mirror. She was in uh, Black Sea as well, which was a pretty oh, good... Oh, yeah, that! That was yeah. good. What was Black Sea? Was that the, the Jude, Jude, Law, Law, Jude Law submarine, submarine Ben Mendelsohn, yeah. Oh, oh and uh, also she was in Get Santa, but I imagine she would like to forget that she was in Get Santa. <laughs> as I suppose most people who've seen it would. Jim Broadbent probably drinks every Christmas to forget he was in Get Santa. <laughs> <laughs> But um, no, so I think they've they not gone for a, a, a particularly household name yeah. um, for the Doctor. Like, p- most most people would have recognised like, Peter Capaldi yeah, over I- Jodie Whittaker, for example. But I, yeah, I mean, uh, it's kind of brave, I guess. It's what Doctor Who's done in the past, though, isn't it? You know, Matt Smith was not exactly a particularly well-known name. David Tennant wasn't that well-known at that point either. I think the only thing I'd seen him in before Doctor Who was um, Casanova. So, I mean, it was kind of like... Oh, and you're making me sign sad with David Tennant's Hollywood career never took off. He deserves more. Well, most, he's great in most... Fright Night. Fright Night is still good in... Yeah, I, I, I've heard Fright Night's good. Also, again, this also frees Peter Capaldi up to go star in World War Z 2. If you mean as I the first Doctor. World War Z, I never watched it because fucking zombies... Right. <laughs> you leave well, World War Z alone. World War Z was fun. Okay, fair okay. enough. But speaking of fucking zombies, yeah, that was a nice okay, segue that wasn't picked up. <laughs> hang on, I just wanted to say that most sane people wanted Danny Dyer to be the next Doctor Who. No, they didn't. No, no they, they fucking yes, didn't. didn't. <laughs> uh, yes, but no. Uh, segueing into the the news nicely um, from Callum's last comment is that obviously the sad news that. Uh, George Romero passed away this week, the kind of father of zombie horror. Yeah, um, well, yeah, I wrote a piece for the website about George A. Romero because he's one of my favourite filmmakers. I'm sitting here now with this podcast and there's a framed poster of Dawn of the Dead right in front of me. Um, Night of the Living Dead was, or is one of my favourite films um, one of the few films I've given full five stars to on Letterboxd. I mean, it's the the perfect horror film, Night of the Living Dead, and Dawn yep. of the Dead 2, and Day of the Dead. He, all three of those that trilogy are exceptional genre movies. Uh, I mean, it, it, not even for the fact like how revolutionary Night of the Living Dead accidentally was. You know, he didn't set out to completely regenerate a whole... Um, unused or underused um, creature from the horror genre. He just thought, well, we'll just make the living 
the, the dead people come back from the graves. We'll sit it in a graveyard. It's kind of creepy. In fact, the whole thing about like Night of the Living Dead was John Russo and George A. Romero. He didn't even want to make horror films. He wanted to make a movie that would make a profit so he could make rom-coms. That's what he, his passion was at the time, 1968. And he did. He made a rom-com and it was, I haven't watched it, but by all accounts, awful. Um, <laughs> and he kind of realised that maybe he should turn his hand to the thing he was actually quite good at. And we're so glad he did because Dawn of the Dead, 1978, Day of the Dead, 1985. Uh, Brooker on Twitter earlier, um, we were having this conversation. It's not really a living dead trilogy. No, I, I get really uppity with, with fans that call it a trilogy. Because, because of Land of the yeah, Dead. Yeah, Land of the Dead. Survival of the Dead. Yeah. But, I mean, even mm. if you don't, because, like you say, we were talking about it, Diary of the Dead is... Yeah, it's all right. I like Diary of the Dead. But Land of the Dead is a fucking masterpiece. I fucking love Land of the Dead. Land of the Dead was a, one of the films that my brother bought from a closing down um, blockbuster on DVD for like a quid <laughs> once and up there. He really liked it. <laughs> It's good. It, it's good. Yeah. It's it's the film. It's closer to the film um, that he wanted to make with Dawn of the Dead. Uh, sorry, Day of the Dead. He was always annoyed that his ideas for Day of the Dead were restricted by the budget. I think he wanted like nine million dollars to make Day of the Dead, and in the end, like all they could were, were given by the studio was three point five million dollars. So he he had to tone down everything about it. But if you watch them together. Land of the Dead, it does take all the themes about how the zombies are getting more intelligent and it's actually the supposedly, quote-unquote, intelligent people or society that are getting dumber. Which, mm. you know, again, because it's all about allegories, that's all the, the, the Romero films were about. Yeah. Zombies aren't just the undead. They're a message yeah. for something. Night of the Living Dead, returning Vietnam War soldiers. You know. Yeah, um, like I saw a tweet from Jordan Peele as well after passing that there where he just pointed out tonight, Living Day is like one of the progenitors of Get Out and that kind of like social yeah. horror. Well, like that kind and of... also because of Dwayne Jones, who's the yeah. African-American central character who they didn't even think about when they cast him that his yeah. colour would ever be an issue. It's just yeah. like, he's a good actor, we know him. He yeah, can play. Except, yeah, like that, thing, that, that idea as well, the fact that they cast him not for Give the Colour, but then inadvertently make him one of the most powerful um, yeah. like race at the end of the film as a result of it as well. It's just mm, yes. excellent. Yeah, it's a really sort of clever mm. twist. Um, but yeah. I mean, even like I said it in the in the piece as well on, on the website that there's a, there's a scene in it where you know Barbara, she's going a bit, getting a bit hysterical and he just gives her a bit of a slap. And you think you don't think anything of it these days. You think, oh, well, it's a bit weird, you know, slapping women. It doesn't look right. But actually what you miss is the context of, this is a black guy in America in 1968 slapping a white woman. I mm. mean, even that is has much bigger implications. But even away from all that, even away from all that context um, and the social commentary and all, it's, I mean, at the heart of it is just a great. Yeah, he, he, he's just an he's just an excellent director. Like he he he, yeah. he was in like it's just an excellent director of horror as well, Matt. There all, mm. all the way through to the end. Remember, it's just. But the kind of films that you can kind of absorb, but it's one of those rare films I feel like that is, of course, like so foundation of pop culture and of a whole like yeah. genre that, that that you can kind of absorb by osmosis. But but even by the time you get around to actually watching them, you don't re- like you watch it. There's still like that actual power in there. But, yes. But like years of exposure of what, like for example, like 
as a random example, like I spent years, I didn't watch Ghostbusters for the first time until I was like 16, and therefore I spent so much life effectively having lived it. By the time I watched it, it didn't really have that specialty. But like watching, and not just because I actually saw like Dawn of the Dead relatively young in that first one, mm-hmm. but, but like watching, each, like even if you're already aware of all the bits that's homaged in that vein of like other films and blatantly Shaun the Dead and all that and that there, instead of just watching, you, you still get that raw visceral power. Mm-hmm. having seen it in that bed, like the classic movies and that bed. It's just, it's just a damn shame. Like, like with Wes Craven, just fuck cancer, man. Just, yeah. yeah. 77 yeah. lung cancer. It was a short battle as well. Apparently was um, what I read earlier, but he died. I read this. This is quite nice. So he, he had um, the score for the quiet man on when he was dying. He put <laughs> it on and it was the thing he was listening to the John Wayne film, um, <laughs> which is, an awesome film and an awesome awesome score. So went so, out in style, went out in class. It's a bit fucking bleak, isn't it? <laughs> fucking hell. Time for what we've been watching, where we have a look at some of the films we've seen in the last week or so. Um, Callum, why don't you start us off? I finally watched Kill List. Yes. Which uh, long-time listeners to the podcast might have heard that I said I was going to watch at uh, like back after I saw the London Film Festival last October for Halloween. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen, but I did buy it on Blu-ray whilst I was in London because uh, my friend Lucy said she wanted to watch it with me in that bear, so we were going to make a thing out of an event, and then it just kept getting pushed back and back and back. But I did it last Wednesday. I sat and I watched Kill List, and it was quite good. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, here's the thing. Well, what I mean, what I mean, I mean like. It's, it, like it's intense it, it, it is as intense as everybody has been telling me it was and that there like when it proper like, like when it properly just like zooms off in those last 30 minutes and that there like Wheatley is astonishingly good at tension and um, like that slow burn of horror uh my thing about it is like like um I watched it with Lucy who was watching it for a second time with me and that there she said it worked better the second time when you weren't yes. guessing where it went. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's probably going to be a thing with a lot of Wheatley songs about it, like how High Rise went from, I'm not sure what happened here, but I think I liked it, to no, I got this completely and it was fantastic um, after a second viewing. So maybe it'll be the same thing here. Uh, Kill it, I mean, Kill This definitely had that. It's funny you should mention it because I was going to point out at some point that it definitely improved a lot on the second viewing for me. And I remember talking to Mike Shawcross about this um, and he said it grew on him after the initial watch as well. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, you're right. It's it's definitely yeah. a grower. I think it's all like, of Wheatley's films have been like that for me. Uh, I'd yeah, say probably with the exception of Free Fire, but of course Free Fire was designed to just be like an instant hit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I get what you mean. Um, like, the thing about it for me is that uh, as I was watching it, like, like, I'll get to the positive stuff in a minute in that there, and I'm going to try and do this. Uh, it, it's I don't know, because of course the problem is when you're trying to talk about Kill List is you kind of have to start alluding to the other stuff, which means if anybody hears and think, oh, I might want to give this a try, I'm up there, you can't help but go in with a kind of sense of, I think the game's already been given away. Uh, but the sense is for me, uh, when it hits the final half an hour, for me, it's simultaneously not telegraphed enough and too telegraphed, if that makes sense. Like, like, like as I was watching it, like the intensity worked out there, but the switch in the, set, in the final 30 minutes and that there kind of, it kind of comes out like, like, like it, it simultaneously has been built up, but also at the same time feels a bit too um, distant from everything in the first like hour map there, like the specific rooting in reality map there that Wheatley had um, built, which I guess is also the point. And I'll ga- and I'll gather as well that it probably is the point when I watch it again map there. Mm-hmm. It's just that, 
like the switch to a specific strand of 60s British horror that or more specifically one specific film in particular that I can't mention because it basically counts as a full-on spoiler um but it, it again it's something 70s cult horror film are you referring to yeah well, mm. yeah from Britain and that is um like it, it again it, it simultaneously feels a bit too like out of place and not built enough specifically because much of a film is of course like seems to be using its thing as like an examination of PTSD and then by the final third it turns out that the film's at least on first watch, isn't really so much about anything as it is Wheatley wanting to make a full-on genre, like m- wanting to do a, a mashup genre exercise, um, and like showing off how in, like how much of an intense filmmaker he can be, which uh, like works again. Like like again, it works in the sense that it's a fantastic watch, um, like as it's happening about there. Like the cast are all brilliant. I'm also very happy for once to see Michael Smiley not playing a villain of any kind. When he's uh, not playing a villain. Yeah, well, or, or bad guy. Well, well, not, not, well, not, okay. Like, yes, I know he's a hitman and that there, but you know, as in like the antagonist, you mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's not yeah, the. Yeah. Okay, I get you. Okay, yeah, you know, like, when he's just allowed. To... I mean, he's a kind of assassin. Yes, yes, I know <laughs> that Owen. <laughs> Unless they're good people in Callum's world, I don't know. Maybe yeah. they they could be good people. Yeah, but yeah, and also a lot of that first third really does do a great job of um like stifling down her middle class um, northern British life from out there with a fantastic cast pulling together and then when it's time to go hard on the intensity of drawing out the tension of uh, you know of sequences of you know of like when uh, Gal is wandering through the uh, the, the um, warehouse out there after J- who's you know like after mm-hmm. JM out there uh, all that kind of stuff Wheatley is Again, he's just a phenomenal genre. If nothing else, Wheatley is a phenomenal, visceral genre filmmaker. Um, even if, um, and I've noticed this as well in High Rise, and not so much Free Fire, because of course that's a deliberately contained thing about there, but he still kind of has an issue of endings, uh, which is something that Lucy, or my friend, had also mentioned about there, is that he kind of has a thing where, like genre filmmakers, of like, of like, I want to do this, and doesn't really seem to think through enough for the ending, if that makes sense sort of sense my way of got that kind of way of like leaving things a bit too open and oblique and out there um again maybe it's something that works better on a second watch and i'm looking forward to watching our second watch at some point obviously not too close to having seen it for the first time out there but uh yeah i'd yeah, give it a but, break i'd give it a break i'd watch a couple of other films of his if you've not um oh yeah yeah, yeah no no but, and now, then go now, back to it yeah this now makes me this now puts me at the halfway mark of seeing wheatley films by the way right. there's just um down terrace Sightseers and a field in England to go, which is actually being given a cinema screening in Hull next month, late next month as well, nice. which I'll be trying to go to for that because that that'll be fun, especially since there's mm. a free screening as well. So there'll be a whole bunch of people going in having no idea what to expect. And apparently, a field in England is mad. It's I fucking it. mental. It's yeah. one of my favourite British films. It's absolutely. <laughs> That shit. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that because yeah, um, it's it's a it's a kind of thing while watching it because um, I was at the London Film Festival last year. I'm not sure if I mentioned that enough times over the, over over the last year on this podcast here. Um, but like whilst I was there, um, I ended up for some reason always getting sat near, near people who were really talking shit about Wheatley and out there who were really upset that Free Fire was a closing film that thing about there claim that he's a very overrated guy that film four trying to make happen and people don't want him out there that he's not really a particularly interesting filmmaker or anything about that it sounds like watching killers is the kind of film where I can watch it and like 
get like and get it instantly and get like yeah weekly as a talent but then also at the same time okay yeah i could sort of see where his detractors keep coming from um in a way in that there but uh, it, it, it's a great it yeah okay it's it, if nothing else it is a like a really intense watch you did that great thing for like proper intense ones doing that where, where as the credits are rolling i can sort of like feel my breath like mm. finally leaving my body in that kind of way well, you, you know, after you watch like a sort of film out there that just leaves you gripped the whole way through and it's not until after you start realising I haven't breathed properly in the last 90 minutes and now <laughs> just all that tension is just slowly see- seeping out of me. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that's good. I, I, I enjoyed Kill List out there. It, 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 I mean, it wasn't really fun, but you, you, mm. know, you know what I mean by that. I mean, I straight after that, I watched Alien for the first time in a post-Covenant world. So, you know, gotta gotta keep those, because I need to keep those nerves jangling, apparently. For the first time? No, no, in a post-Covenant world. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, right. I thought that, that was, that, in yeah. case you're wondering, I mean, that's why I hate Alien Covenant so much, is because Alien is one of my favourite films. I was not bullshitting on that. Um, by well, thing that likewise, Alien is one of my favourite films, but I still... Well, we're we not going to get into we it. Can argue about, right, we can argue right. about this either, A, after I finally get my article about it written at some point, maybe, or B, for seven hours on an end-of-year podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would just want to very quick because I know we're running short of time again. But um, one of the things that like the first thing I ever saw of uh, Ben Wheatley's was I think he did the second and third series of Ideal, the sitcom that used to be on BBC Three. Have any of you guys seen it with Johnny Vegas? No, Manchester. but I do. Know, but I did find out like when I was looking through that he was a director of The Wrong Door, that really really bad BBC Three CGI sketch comedy series from 2008 apparently right. he wrote and directed all six episodes i don't even know what the wrong door is but i can tell you that ideal is very good it's that was what made me sort of take notice of like one of one of those times where you know sitcom directors are just like on bbc it doesn't always matter who's directing they're just functioning they're playing a part in the whole yeah. thing yeah whereas ideal i was watching that like someone is really taken like artistic creative control of this and it was it was yeah it was great i would that's what kind of turned me on to it i'd also say down terrace is great it is a very low budget film like almost like a homemade movie but i mean i mean i, mean, exactly I don't really have, yeah, yeah yeah i mean i mean i don't really have much of an issue with low budget movies and that there so uh, yeah. yeah yeah but it's still good it's still very oh, funny. oh and apparently also did an abc's of death segment as well Yep. yep. How was the ABCs of Death actually? I've never actually watched it, but I heard mixed things. Pretty crap, but they're a bit fun. There's, yeah, they're a mixed bag, obviously, because I suppose that's what they're supposed to be. But like, I can't remember. It says here, point of view of vampires he's chased down and staked by an angry mob. Ah, oh, yeah, no, that's right, with Neil Maskell. Yes. Yeah, I didn't realise it was him until after I'd seen it. Oh, and what have you seen this week? Um, well, uh, coincidentally, given the George A. Romero news, but uh, it wasn't planned. I watched this uh, Saturday, I think. I watched Train to Busan for the first time. Oh. The Korean, yeah, the Korean zombie film, which is set almost almost entirely on a train, which is traveling to Busan. Um, but it's got a working father who's trying to drop off his young daughter at her mom's house for her birthday. Outbreak occurs, Korea goes to shit, and they try to survive the journey with other passengers. I thought it was great, and I was a bit worried going into it because I've heard so many people talking about, oh, it's really good. It's like one of the best Korean films like of the last decade. It's, 
you know, one of the best zombie films that you you'll see for ages. And I was like, I don't, I don't like it when people hype films up to that extent. But it was it was good. It was really good, in fact. And uh, I know, Steve, did you watch Train to Busan last year? Yes, I did. Did you like it? I can't remember what your your opinion was. I did like it. Yeah, I thought it was very good. It was very, yeah. Very, it is very, very fast good. paced and exciting and a little bit different. Yeah. Because it's got Korean melodrama in it as well. It's Tons of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, was, I asked um, Elisa what she thought of it, and she's like, "Oh, it's really sad." I was like, "Well, it's Korean, <laughs> you know. At some point, some, yes. some child is going to cry, and the parents going to cry over them." But um, yeah, no, I think I thought it was uh, was really good as well. There's uh, it's the director Gong Yu. Uh, I've only seen one of his films. I don't think he's made very many, but it's the King of Pigs. No, Gong Yu, sorry, was the actor. Uh, who's that? Uh, Young Sanko was the director, directed King of Pigs, which was an animated feature about a kid who gets bullied and was really viciously, traumatizingly emotional and <laughs> just like, you know, horrible, really. Oh, with a recommendation like that, Owen. <laughs> I know, but like, it, I wouldn't say it was a, a great movie. It's certainly nothing like. Um, Train to Busan, because I think Train to Busan's got a bit of humour about it, at least. Oh, it's got but, a lot of humour in it. Yeah, yeah, but it, I, I'd argue probably a bit too much for my liking. But uh, I don't know. I quite like the um, the uh, I've got his name here as well, Ma Dong Suk, the um, expectant father, uh, who sort of takes on the role a little bit of like protecting them all. Mm-hmm. Um, he's great, but I mean, he's great in. Most thing, I, I, if you've seen Kundo, Age of the Rampant, then you'll recognise him. But he he's great in that. He's great in this. A really built guy, but great comic timing, I thought. Um, yeah. So yeah, he was great. Really interesting character. Essentially, it is an eight to note zombie film, and we don't really get many that aren't either really just like stoically stern and just a bit too serious and. You know, up themselves a little bit, um, or you get the complete opposite where it's like, "Hey, aren't zombies really weird? Let's make some old people fight some zombies, or you know, just try and turn it into a comedy." And I think, well, both cases. Did you not like Cockneys versus Zombies, Owen? <laughs> I actually didn't find. Cockneys what about versus Pro Wrestlers versus Zombies, Owen? If you like that, um, the wrestling. Demon King or something. Anyway, I don't know what that one was. That was shit. That was wrestlers versus zombies. But the no, one angle in it. Oh right, no. You, don't you think never that. watched. It. Oh, you, you, Steve, Steve. I've got my film. You can give Owen next time. <laughs> Fantastic. Looking forward to it already. Yeah, but uh, no. What, yeah, what I loved about Train to Busan, it is just a a zombie film, but it's got the right blend of everything that a zombie film should. I mean, you can read into it all the stuff about well. The collapse of society and careers about you know uh, extravagance and how reaching for the the the, the capitalism is just gonna turn in on itself blah blah but actually you don't need to look for any of that you don't need to look for homages because i mean actually to be fair there aren't all that many homages that i spotted i think it was trying to be very original um and you know it, it worked it wasn't the romero zombies they're not the 
classic slow shuffling zombies. They are the speedier variety, um, but they make it work really well. And then funny, funnily enough, uh, funnily enough, mentioning World War Z earlier, um, that's what it reminded me of a little bit. You know, when you see all the zombies just piling up on top of each other and they mm. try and wedge themselves through spaces. And um, yeah. I just thought graphically uh, it looked great. Because yeah. in, in, there are lots of extras, obviously, but I, I, they, it was surprisingly well. I, th- I think also because there's actual weight to those, whereas ones in World War Z are just kind of ragdoll kind of. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like the orc hordes in the Hobbit movies. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's just like there's no weight to anything in that. There, they just yeah. they just clearly. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Like, I get, I get. I, I think part of it when I saw when I because I saw it last Halloween on Halloween. That's why I watched on Halloween instead of Kill List in a cinema, no less. Well, I think part of it, I think part of it's just that hype that everybody did of this is the best zombie movie exactly. in years mm-hmm. and other. It's or maybe it's just general burnout I have with zombies because um, I'm really fucking sick of zombies, you guys. <laughs> um, it's I, I don't know. It's a uh, it's I. I is that thing if I watched it, I'm like, this is fine. And not really much else. Although, I, I think my main issue with that is that there's not too much, is it didn't find much tension in it. Like, it's good on, like, thrills and intensity in that there. But apart from the bit where they're sneaking through in the tunnel, I didn't really feel much, like, tension to it in that there. It was just kind of a good hangout time, which is fine. It's, it's fine. I think, it's, I it's, think there was it's enough fun, tension. But... There was yeah. enough to they weren't that I don't think that's what they would necessarily Yeah, no, no, that, that's what I mean. Like like what it is. I I I I can sit here and recognize this is a fine film. This is a great example of form. I'm just I think I honestly do just think I'm just sick of zombies, to be honest. Especially since <laughs> they don't especially since most part they don't seem to be going away. Yeah. Just but, like actual zombies come to think of it. But that, well that's what I mean. when when they do something slightly different with them, then I'm all for it. You know, if they take the premise and do something interesting, great. It's it's the ones that just like being that are completely unaware of the point of zombies and just think, oh, it's, they're creepy because they're undead things. It's like, well, no, there's more more to them as creatures than just, oh, it's the the next door neighbors crawled out of the grave. I buried him in, in the garden. Do you, do, you, do, you basically mean for, do you basically mean the call of duty DLC pack Zo- zombies as aesthetics rather than zombies? as Exactly. Meaning Thank anything. you. That's what I mean. Yeah, zombies yeah. for the sake of zombies. Precisely. When they could be absolutely any kind of monster at all. Um, okay. Um, Brooker, what have you seen this week? So talking about horror movies. Hey, <laughs> wait, segues. Oh, this I, is almost too well oiled. I know, it's almost <laughs> like we planned it. So yeah, so I, so I finally got to watch The Autopsy of Jane Doe, which I've been dying to watch for fucking ages. And... I think I've owned the DVD for, a, or the Blu-ray, sorry, for a month, and it's been just sat on my shelf waiting for me to find time and energy to, to watch it. But yeah, so I finally stuck it in over the weekend. It's a, a supernatural horror film, and I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna cannibalize this guy's name. Andre Ovredal? I don't know. Just we'll have that thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Or you could just say the troll hunter guy. Yeah, the guy that made Troll Hunter. I wasn't sure what to expect, to be honest. You know, a, a proper supernatural horror film from the guy that made Troll Hunter was was bizarre. I I wasn't sure how it was going to be. It's so there's in like small town in the arse end of anywhere America, a body's kind of half buried in a basement, and police pull her out and can see nothing wrong with her, no identifying features, the fingerprints, dental records, whatever, nothing on record, hence. Jane Doe, 
Take her off to a small town coroner's office where uh, Brian Cox and his son, Emil Hirsch? Yeah, Emil Hirsch, yeah. yeah. Go to work to try and figure out what killed her. Now, or uh, try to f- trying to figure out her cause of death. Not necessarily what killed her. It starts off for about 15, 20 minutes. You watch them slowly do this autopsy. And if you're like me and you've spent far too many hours watching house reruns on Sky Atlantic, <laughs> and they start rolling off all these medical terms, you go, oh, maybe it's this. Oh, it's going to be that. You've got no fucking idea what happened to this woman. You, you think you're clever. You think you can figure it out. You've got no idea. <laughs> But all of a sudden, this really creepy shit starts happening. And and when I say creepy, I mean, like, edge of the sea, nail-biting, literally nail-biting as well. I sat there, found myself chewing on my thumbnail while I was watching this mm-hmm. film. Creepy shit happening to, well, to these guys and to the office around them. A bit like Callum talking about Kill List. You can't talk too much about what really happens, because to do that would be to give away the reveal. And while I think the reveal could have happened maybe 10 minutes earlier, it feels like it was stretched out just a little bit. You know, an 87-minute movie would have been quite happy with an 80-minute movie, shorten it down a little bit. When the reveal happens, I I have to admit, I didn't see it coming. I sat there wide-eyed going, holy fucking shit. I cannot believe that I didn't figure that out. It was absolutely mental but the genius of this film is that it is so creepy and so atmospheric but it does it with stuff that you've seen a million times before if you watch horror movies so you kind of get you know people looking out of doors to to investigate a noise and something pops up in front of you weird noises in rooms that there was nobody in a minute ago and doors creaking open all kinds of really tropey shit but it is done so well and some of it Maybe you do, maybe you don't. We only get kind of those scares in really good horror films that leave you just cold. You've crapped yourself so much watching them. You just went, holy fuck, I, I need to get up and have a cigarette or a cup of coffee or something. I need to get away from the screen. I counted two of those in the hour and a half this film was on. And, you know, I'm not a, well, I'm, I'm big hard man. I just, I don't scare that easy when it comes to horror films anymore. Mainly because I've seen it all before a million times. Mm. And you've seen it all done terribly. I've seen it well, all. I've seen it all times. done. Yeah, for everything from absolute dog shit to really, really well. Autopsy of Jane Doe for sure sits in the really, really well category. Probably not the best horror I've ever seen, but certainly so far this year, the best horror I've seen so far this year. It's fucking brilliant. And it's been a quite good year for horror. As it well. has. Uh, I mean, we were talking about it earlier on. It's it's Pip the Void. The Void was one of the best ones. I or still is one of the best ones I saw this year. I think Autopsy of Jane Doe is better than The Void. The only difference is, I suppose, The Void, I can still stick on the Bow Critics Awards at the end of the year. Jane Doe, mm-hmm. I can't. Why, is it, is it because Jane Doe was technically released last year and you work like me in this instance? Well, it hasn't really been given a proper theatrical release oh. at all. Uh, 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 well, uh, it got a one-night-only one event screening special before it, being dumped to DVD. It did, which really fucking annoyed me because I, I was dying to get tickets for it because the guy that runs... Fright Fest was interviewing the director down there as well. And I desperately wanted to get down there. And I, I had the time to get down there. I had the money to get down there. 
by the time I was able to get home and get onto the website to get tickets, they'd all fucking gone. I was destroyed. Oh. <laughs> so don't don't mess with horror fans when you're trying to get tickets for fucking anything. They're, they're lethal. They're, they're, they are on your shit. They really are. <laughs> this week's main new release for us to review is the uh, latest in the uh, Planet of the Apes rebooted series war for the uh, battle of the planet of the apes where andy <laughs> war for the battle of the planet of the apes <laughs> war for the battle of the dawn and for rise the fall of the planet of the apes yeah yes monkey fight this is king the kong living planet of the apes that's the yeah one. anyway andy circus <laughs> returns as caesar from the previous films and now being hunted once more by the humans looking to wipe them out um before we go into reviewing this film I think it's fair to say that as far as kind of these summer blockbuster type films have gone, this has really, you know, this series has really nailed it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Absolutely. Elevated it above the shitty shallow blockbuster fare that we've been forced to endure for a long time. Yeah. What was Transformers? Yeah, yeah. yeah I was thinking that. Pirates of the Caribbean, but that's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just insert any shitty franchise now. But like, especially since, of course, in theory, when this started out, there was really no reason to believe this was supposed, this was going to be any, any good. It was just another remake, and you're kind of thinking, yeah, why do we need another Planet of the Apes yeah. series? And then from about like 30, 40 minutes of Rise, like you, like it's like you sort of as oh yeah, this is why we needed it right there, because of the like, fantastic character work, the outstanding special effects by Weta, and the fact that after it stopped, you know, doing cutesy callbacks and that there, it started blazing its own path and that there. Like, I will always remember the moment Caesar speaks in Rise to be one of my favourite cinema moments that I've ever had the experience of being in there, because, you know, obviously it leads up with that really cheesy, you know, reference to the most famous line of the original Planet of the Apes and that there. Yeah. But even then, like before, you know, you get that thing where people just keep talking the same about there. And then the second that, you know, like, that, that bit happens, everybody just dead silent. That mm. like, like, that's one of my favorite moments in cinema. There. So that way, just like, you genuinely, nobody saw it coming and you can just sit there and just be enwrapped by like a power of cinema. And I mean, the, the film, the way the films are done, you don't mind the callbacks in the end. Yeah. No, especially not, especially not as they've gotten further and further on as well. Yeah, yeah, they've done better at that. Um, and and I can't believe I'm saying this as well. Is that like and Dawn was a huge step up from Rise. I feel yeah. I feel like Dawn was one of the best films of 2014, whilst at the same time being criminally underrated because 2014 was that kind of year. I feel like as great as the series is, it's still not one that really gets its due outside of the inevitable every two or three years Andy Serkis should get an Oscar conversations mm-hmm. and that here. these are fantastic films that have actually sort of grown in aims and ambitions from the first one the first one kind of felt like initially like it was going to be franchise management instead just turned into like a really entertaining like small scale character story the second one ended up being a very timely and relevant anti-gun polemic as well as you know about legislation up there and now you've got a third one that is a full-on no holds barred anti-war movie in which a bunch of apes try and avoid being persecuted by ne- by effectively neo-nazi puritan race skinheads led by led by a colonel who is one part who is like one part donald trump and one part marlon brando in apocalypse now mm-hmm. um, so like like they've gotten bigger they've gotten and 
what helps what is that they've actually got the skill and the passion to be able to pull off these higher aims as well um i'm just gonna spoil it right now for my views on that i love wolf of part of the apes if it doesn't for me i'm not sure if it quite equals or betters dawn for one thing it feels a bit too long by the time the second act's coming to an end but it's it's close which automatically makes it one of the best films of the year for me and it, it builds up to one heck of an ending as well it's it's, it's, it's yeah. a great ending isn't it i yeah. mean it, it, they don't go to the stupid lengths of other blockbusters of like oh we have the big explosion ending there's there is a big climactic scene but it's not done in that really broad and mindless way the yeah. purpose to what's going on and i My, loved how yeah. it was just like it brought everything to uh, a close and my favorite um, bit yeah, I, mean, like, I don't want to yeah. talk about it but yeah, like, like my favorite bit is like the framing of the ending as well is that because of course the way they've sold it it's in the titles and the posters and that, but in the same way but like dawn kind of advertised itself as come watch apes on like on horseback and machine guns fight humans it's going to be awesome and ben made that utterly heartbreaking and miserable and soul destroying in pro like in actual context here's a film that like sells itself of like war and isn't actually a war movie it's instead a revenge western focused specifically around a very select few like people on that there so she said that when the film does finally hit its big action scenes but only two in the entire film really like two proper big action scenes the actual war is happening in the background and in the foreground we're getting the conclude like, in the foreground but one we're actually paying attention to is just for is the conclusion for various character arcs because who gives who really gives a damn about the war the war is a hollow pointless miserable thing instead we're here for these specific characters as well on that there i just love Mm -hmm. like like, like um, Matt, Matt Reeves is outstanding as a director he really is Callum you mentioned um uh, earlier in this in the, this chat about Andy Serkis and Oscar talk uh for his roles in this film do we think uh, you know all of us between us think that's a possibility i mean it's a very happen. different it's a, it's a very different discipline what he's doing to what yeah. you would traditionally see yeah. people nominated for the whole motion capture thing but he he does it so well and in this it's brilliant because he actually makes you tear up about a cgi monkey but, but mm. there's a specific scene in this movie where you can see the exact point where his like where his character goes from complete like from like fear to total loss to absolute rage and it's terrifying um and i'm i'm one of those people who have been arguing for years that like voice actors and that there deserve best actor best actress nominees and that there like everybody else does and that because voice acting is acting it's really hard what andy circus also does is really hard and is no less like valid for the fact that it involves a lot of computers helping out as well um there's no way he's going to get nominated of course he isn't but he should be because he's fantastic here he like he especially since as well because of course much of a film i've seen some people try and dismiss him as just having to just do grimacing that a lot of the contact like that a lot of the like emotional dynamics and that there of his character from previous films and that there has been flushed out in favor of the kind of like grimacing western oh. anti-hero i don't think that's the case i just think it's got he's gotten really good at being very subtle about being even more subtle about it as well i've um, um i saw either an interview with anti circus himself or people who work on the film and do the same kind of thing that he's been doing you know motion capture playing the apes and they've, they've all been doing it through the three films kind of as a, as a little group of them mm -hmm. and they were saying that you know over the three films they've had to kind of 
evolve how they play the apes and all the movements and the body language and everything. So when it starts off in the first film, it's kind of very, uh, you know, really kind of, this is a really bad way of putting it, but really like monkey-like and ape-like. And then as it goes on, they evolve because, you know, they they become more of yeah. they become more yeah. intelligent and everything. So they've got to add that to how they're playing it in the movements and everything and the facial expressions and the whole lot. He's very regal in this. As I was watching the film, yes. the, the, the word to, is regal because he, yeah. he he looks king-like. You know, every, he's all the apes look like, you know, they're more upright. They're walking on two feet more than just like how they used to and stuff. And when he gets more savage, when he gets into like the angry mode, then you see him like running like a, a chimpanzee runs, you know, knuckles on the floor and stuff. But most of the time, he is the one whose back is straight. His posture is like a princely kind of uh, character. Yeah. Um, yeah, which, which, which works. Was, yeah, which works. Yeah, yeah it absolutely yeah. works. But yeah, he's yeah. more so than the, the others. And it, it just he stands out anyway because he looks different. But he yeah. also stands out because of the way that Circus portrays him and how he carries himself through the film. And, that, and that's also important as well because much of the film's conflict that is based on like competing cults of personality in a way, mm. like with him and uh, Woody, Woody Harrelson's general, both effectively being like the double, re- like, like being adored godlike leaders with followers who are essentially yeah. willing to stand by. But of course, the difference being that, um, like, it's essentially being that kind of difference of like the people who are adored leaders and use their like that adoration for good, for the betterment of others, and those who do it for selfish. Um, hate fueled reasons and that as well, Matt. There and seeing the dynamic play out between the two, and just um, it's like how ha- Harrison is captivating as well in just such an utterly repellent role as well. Like, like Rob, that you kind of sit there with like there, there is a monologue in the middle. Um, again, I'm trying very hard to spoil him out here because how the film like turns him out there in its second half is just amazing to watch. Um, where mm. like like he gets that traditional mo- and it seems like it's about to come to the point where you know where you get that murky thing of um you know like oh maybe both sides of a point out there but it, both his delivery and the exact wave of the things pitched is that any kind of pity and sympathy you might have just kind of disappears at a certain point just see how far down he's kind of pushed his anti-intellectualism um like speciesist purity lines and out there mm. to such show just that mad delusion in his head and he does phenomenal work i mean everybody in this film as well can we also quickly talk about how great steve zahn is as well as bad ape um, mm. yeah a character well, bad, in film. bad ape was brilliant and yeah. i mean i think it's i think it's very easy in a film like this um which has got quite a serious tone it's, even though it, it is, is like bleak. a mm. sorry it's bleak i was just saying it's bleak over yeah. and over again but it's, it's yeah. very easy for comic relief in a film like this to really go tits up and to grate against the, the tone of the film and just be like, this doesn't work at all and take you out of mm. the film. But didn't in this case, it was it was really well done. And he stole every scene he was in. Yeah, mainly, mainly because like the comedy isn't really so much comedy as it's just extra sad. The entire like it's like it's comic relief that fits the character instead of comic relief that do, that's just clearly there to try and lighten the mood. And hey, hey, it. I'm got yeah. some roller skates. I'm gonna skate in front of the screen and do a cartwheel. Yeah, it's not it's yeah, not goofy monkey. Yeah, behavior, no, is no it? it's no, it's not. It's that sense of just watching of just watching all the of 
watching all the horrors there in such sense mm-hmm. that it's kind of there is a sort of humor in there but mostly it's just like really heartbreaking in a way as well which is kind of the whole film like that whole film is essentially built to withhold cathar- any traditional catharsis in a way that um like as i mentioned to you before we started recording here where it reminds me a lot like logan and not just mm-hmm. because the story structure of the film is very very similar to logan as it turns out by complete coincidence um it's, but a, it's sense- very similar to a lot of films i was the first time i was watching this uh i've seen it twice in the cinema first time i watched it in 3d um second time in 2d and i was watching it and thinking what is this i've seen this before what is yeah. this and all the way and then it got to a, a point in the film where you see ape apocalypse as like graffiti you know it's fucking apocalypse now that's what it is and then the second time i watched it from the very beginning it's like yeah that's apocalypse now yeah that's apocalypse now yeah that's and apocalypse uh, yeah i'm as even a shot beginning and the end and yeah, I know that's a reference to Beneath the Planet of the Apes and, and yeah. stuff, but everything from like Woody Harrelson shaving his head. Oh, to... and there's also oh, and there's also that final climax scene as well that basically just stops being like, like stops being a homage to Apocalypse now and basically just turns into just a straight is up. Apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, it Brooke, works. but it works. I know exactly. that um, we've chatted previously about Woody Harrelson because it takes a, a, an awfully good film for me to like Woody Harrelson. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan, but we chatted about him. Did we do it on the live podcast or did we just do it one time when we met up? And I was I talking about remember. Natural Born Killers. Yeah, we were talking about Natural Born Killers. That might have been the live one. I think so, but so so you like him generally? I'm, yeah, I'm a big I'm a big fan of Woody Harrelson. More so uh, over the last couple last. Five or ten years, he's done a lot of really good stuff. Even like shit like Hunger Games, I liked him in, and I yeah, really he was like, great. Hunger Games. Yeah, I thought you he was... lay off for Hunger Games. Yeah, I triple thought... nine. Did you get on with triple nine? Oh, okay, no. Oh, you... Okay, okay, that, that you're just playing unfair here, are we? Yeah. <laughs> you're playing with loaded dice, really, bringing up triple nine. That's that's unfair. But like, uh, did you see Rampart? Uh, no, I didn't. Keening to, but I've heard it's great. It's really good, and he is fucking amazing, and he done that. You know, the, the whole losing weight to fit his character thing. And he looks ill. And he puts in a hell of a fucking performance. He is outstanding in Rampart. I've got a lot of time for Woody Harrelson. Uh, and I thought he was... Watch the, watch the Edge of 17 if you haven't already. I but haven't seen The Edge of 17. The title sounds up. like it shouldn't be my thing. I mean, I mean, you should watch it anyway because it's fantastic. But also, he's actually really good in there as well. In what's like otherwise a relative, what could have been a stereotypical role, he makes it work. Okay, I brought it up just because he's effectively the only human character who has yeah. a, more than you know a handful of lines or glances things. You know, he actually gets to develop and stuff. But he he is playing Marlon Brando though, isn't he? But he is just Brando, isn't he? <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way, though. I think he he does it really well. Yeah, I was going to say you both between Deval and Brando, the two of them together. I was going to say you're both making it sound as if like Woody Harrelson being Marlon Brando is a bad thing. No, it's really not. Yeah, no, it works. It works really well. Brooker, yes, mate. We've we've been speaking about the film for a while, but you've not told us too much what you think about it. So, what do you think about (laughs) uh, the film? No, I really liked it. I think it done a thing where from the first one, so we'll call the first one was. Rise. Yeah, Rise. 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 The names are completely wrong, right? It's fucking backwards. It 
drives me up the wall. The first one should be door, but then we well, should well, have well, war. Clearly, clearly, this was all done just so they could do that opening title scroll. Okay, oh, like yeah. the opening title. <laughs> that's clearly the sole reason they did this. So don't don't begrudge them for that. No. I liked that. But title even so even even that was quite good. The opening the, the bit because you know you don't even have to have seen the other two films. Now you can just go straight in and see that. But it helps. But it know helps. where you are. Helps if you've seen it for that added weight. You weights. definitely should watch yeah. the other. Yeah. But anyway, Brooker, sorry, I just that's all right. when you were trying to talk. No, that's fine. So the, yeah. the first one. Basically, we just asked Brooker for his opinion and then talked over him. That's all right. <laughs> so the first one done this really cool thing where I expected that, you guys said it earlier, I expected it to be absolute shite. It was 10 years after the fucking Marky Mark one. I thought it was going to be god awful. <laughs> Marky Mark. Marky Mark. And it turned out it was fucking brilliant. Mm. Yeah. And then, obviously, what, three years later, the next uh, Dawn came out and completely upped the stakes for, throughout the entire thing, which I thought was really cool, really brave, because I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was. I just thought it was going to be a bit of a crappy cash-in sequel. I've seen the original Planet of the Apes films. Mm. They're all crappy cash-in sequels. I don't, <gasps> I don't like any of them after no. the first one. I think they're all you're, you're shit. Breaking, you're breaking people's hearts here. I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are some there are some good films in that series. No, I really, really don't like them. The first one I think is great, but after that, I think they're just boring. Well, also, also, none of them have James Franco in it. Well, this so, is true. Right? <laughs> or, um, or Jason Clark, and I'm a big Jason Clark fan uh, as well. Who? What we what we you, you, you mean, Jai Courtney, right? <laughs> no, no, sorry, 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 sorry. You mean Sam Worthington? You meant Sam Worthington? <laughs> yeah. The thing I was worried about with this one, okay. It's, We've all seen the trailers, and we've all seen it's called War for the Planet of the Apes. But what it really needed to do was what Terminator refused to do after Terminator 2, and that was properly escalate it to a proper war film. So after Terminator 2, we got Wank Terminator 3, and I honestly, I was expecting Wank Apes 3. I really thought it was going to suck. You can find awful. that on certain websites. You can. <laughs> yeah. I own it. Wank Apes 3. <laughs> But no, I it fucking it blew me away, absolutely blew me away. I thought it was fucking brilliant. I didn't go with Apocalypse Now when I when I watched it. I literally I watched the the beginning bit going, this is this is Hamburger Hill. This looks like <laughs> Hamburger Hill. But Hamburg- just Vietnam combat movie. Isn't this it? is it. I'm pretty sure, apart from maybe Full Metal Jacket, you could int- you could swap out half of that film and add in any of your favorite Vietnam War movies, yeah. and it would still work. Well, for the first half, and then it turns into a Holocaust drama. Oh yeah, yeah, well, um, yeah. Mm. Well, well, in a in a way, in a way, but well, even then, it's yeah. still kind of similar to Apocalypse. Oh no, now. no, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's, yeah, it, yeah. The, the, I mean, there's no getting away from it. The second half of the film is absolutely Apocalypse Now. There's no oh, getting yeah. away from that at the all. The first half is a lot of that is Apocalypse Now as well. Oh yeah, I of mean, course. You... there's a lot you can swap out in the first film though. In the first half, sorry, that can. You can add, you can take the first half of the film, and like I say, there's a lot of a lot of Vietnam War films you can plug into that, and it still works. And you know, if it wasn't for the apocalypse graffiti as well, I would have assumed it was kind of ripping it off, like rather than homaging it. My favorite you know? thing so far about that is, uh, I think it was the World of Blackout review. He said it, the only reason that's been put there is to make journalists put their minds to thinking yeah. about better yeah, tagline. Actually, actually yeah. work on my head on their subheadings. <laughs> Which did make me laugh. I mean, is that, yeah. but also I just like to imagine that we humans really are just that uncreative when it comes to making our apocalypse um, graffiti. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I haven't so. seen any really creative graffiti for a long time. That probably be yeah, exactly. So, 
<laughs> I feel like it's an interesting book actually. You mentioned that you feel like it goes bigger because I actually feel it goes smaller in a way. Like again, again, from that sense of it could have just been a movie about you know flinging apes and humans that together in a big giant scales CGI blockbuster map there, and instead is actually again outside of and actually was at the beginning and one but insight but properly insights a plot and then one at the very end about that it's really not actually an action movie it's a very slow moving character drama it goes mm. it goes small it goes insular which not coincidentally this book ended by two very big warlike oh. set pieces yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, 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 I remember as a way of it's actually quite reflective of one of, of what have been a lot of my favorite blockbuster sequels in recent years, like say Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, or I guess like in a way like T Two and there, which have gone, which purposely instead of going bigger, wider, go back there, stayed like stayed small and focused on characters and that there, like stayed insular to such that they didn't lose control of the plot, like of the plot of the heart of the themes and that there, and that small scale allowed them to actually push forward and stick directly to their guns, especially since again for way that. Like the way that war as well, Matt, that every time that violence happens, it's this horrifying, like sickening thing yeah. where nobody wins and it's just painful to watch. And the only time that any catharsis does arrive in the film comes from the act of surviving, not from somebody doing anything violent, but just from a mere act of surviving. And it's this beautiful, heart wrenching, like release. Or, mm. like that, that, that's where the beauty comes from. So it recognized, in a way, it feels, for me, it feels kind of of a piece of arrival. You ever did an evil, a new film from last year as well. Like how that was a film where witnessed humanity walking up to the edge of conflict and then stepping back and finding beauty in that stepping back. Whereas here it's humanity stepping up to the edge of conflict, pushing forward into it and then finding, and then trying to find the moments of beauty inside of that, uh, like inside of that absolute hell without, like, without shortchanging the fact that everything is awful and miserable. I mean, there are no winners to any of this. Mm. Anyway, so. um, I was going to say, was I the only person who was looking forward to rise? Because, from everyone else has said and you were expecting it to be shit and i was I so excited for rise of the i don't know i was i wasn't i didn't think it necessarily be shit i didn't necessarily look forward to it i just remember thinking why like yeah. like 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 when any of these films like when so like we're now on to the the third uh reboot of spider-man and all right the tom holland one reasonably excited about because of how good he was in Civil War, but the Andrew Garfield one, he's thinking, why? Yeah. Yeah. Just, um, okay. just, and when and when they're kind of, even though it is in the same series, they're rebooting Transformers with the fourth one with uh, with Marky Mark, and, you know, you're thinking, why? Mm. Uh, my, 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 that was just, that was just yeah. it. And I've obviously been proved very wrong with the Planet of the Apes series. Well, as have we all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, like my my trepidation towards Rise was the fact that when Rise came out, the trailers appeared to give away the entire film from start to finish in the space of two and a bit minutes. And if it weren't for the giant critical acclaim it received, I was I was really super like, okay, great, I don't need to watch this film then. Thank you, thank you, Fox, mm. thank you for spoiling your fucking movie. Uh, but I'm glad I watched it, especially as well. They mostly didn't show that second act, which is what sold me on the whole film entirely, mm. like the entire bit when Caesar, you know, like was in the camp. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In the zoo, so yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough. Okay, I, I I really looked forward to Rise. I was massively pleased with how it turned out as well. I, um, I was looking forward to Rise. I just thought it was going to be a bit crap. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So the um, other thing I wanted to touch on, without actually revealing the end of this movie, 
So we've basically now had Escape from the Planet of the Apes as Rise of the Planet of the Apes. We've had Conquest as Dawn. Kind of had Battle for as War of, or War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, so next film, I'm guessing, is going to be Planet of the Apes, and then we'll have a fifth and final film, which will be beneath Planet of the Apes. Is that well, what we're thinking now? Is that where they're going to go? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, like Callum said earlier, this film brings together the trilogy quite nicely without giving away any spoilers it brings every, it brings the main characters arcs to a very nice and satisfied well not, not be a very good yeah. satisfactory conclusion mm. but you don't go and make a new planet of the apes franchise and don't make planet of the apes yeah, yeah. Well, so I mean, it's coming. It's next, or is it coming uh, further down the line? Though from the business side of things, though, it's not doing very well. Well, that's that's just the mm. problem of it having been released in middle of fucking July, when when every single week oh, now yeah. is having a new film out every week. That's not really so much a film's fault. No, I don't it's not think. the film's fault at all. You, yeah. you and I both know this, but the the problem is studios go, oh, cost us 150 mil to make, made 80 mil. We're not doing another one of those. It was cheaper than the last one, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Fox have been, and I know for a fact that Fox were pre-screening this like a month in advance. So clearly they have faith in this series, um, I, if nothing else, I think. I'm hopeful I, if they do make another one, I don't, mm-hmm. by the way, for the record here, I kind of don't want them to make another one because no. this is like a per, kind of a perfect end note to what has been yeah. one of the best trilogies if not of this century, but maybe even just of all time, really. Like it's, which I mean, you can say for basically any trilogy that doesn't whiff it on the third one. Um, mm. But uh, like, if, if they do make another one, um, I fit like I think they will, and it will probably be Planet of the Apes. Especially since they know for a fact now that they can just go all in on doing Planet of the Apes next. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't know where they could go with the story between yeah. here and Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know either. I kind of don't want them to, but I no. wouldn't be surprised if they did next. And I, I just, I just, could, I just couldn't see where you go again. You're just going to be yeah. doing. A, a rehash of yeah. of war or or dawn. It's just going to be the same thing again. Yeah, you? it's just yeah, going to be point. humans trying kill the apes because they're the last remaining humans, and things are bleak for them. And that, that that's the only thing. Um, plus, 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 we know like with this the, the disease that's spreading there around humans and making yeah. them into the the kind of primal creatures that we see in the original Planet of the Apes film. Yeah. Then so well, I think I think, yeah. I think you've got to probably move on at least a hundred years in time for it to yeah. to work. Plus, you know, to ever, to people to evolve and devolve as to yeah. what this. Um, well, in, in, in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, they we did see the newspaper headline right about the yeah and, and the and, and the TV the TV footage of the rocket launch it. of the Icarus going uh, to Mars, right? So now yeah, we, so that, we would be within we, this uh, like a generation, maybe yeah. more. I, I mean, I guess that's that, but also, of course, kind of the point of Planet of the Apes, I feel like that is that there's that shock of you don't really get like all the backstory we've had in that. There's it's that kind of outsider's perspective here. Is that the only way yeah. you can do that? It's just kind of to get to that point, then, is to kind of have to negate a lot of what this series specifically has been doing with the apes. Sure. Which I think, mm. admittedly, could be interesting if it was worked well, but that would require doing more movies and just jumping straight into Planet of the Apes. It's yeah. kind of why I don't want them to do another one, to just leave this as is, especially since, again, the way that it comes near to the end is actually quite a beautiful, like, 
humanist message in the end of that there that cuts mm. through all the darkness. Because again, it's a bleak film, but not a nihilistic or cynical film. That there. Like that's it's a real difficult thing with um your your yeah. dark with your dark, serious, sure, yeah. moody, angsty movies. But rather, I kind if they're gonna if they are gonna bring it back though. I kind of honestly just trust. I, I I'd like him to bring Matt Reeves back. Um, he co-wrote War, by the way, after having just directed Dawn. Yeah, and I feel and between this, like his work on this and Cloverfield, I think he genuinely can actually pull this forward. Um, well, I, he's going to be too busy making um, yeah the DC Batman. movies from now on, isn't he? Yeah, he's going to do the Batman. Which if that's fine, again, if he like fair play to again, I think he's probably the only person I would fully trust like as a name to make me think of, yeah, we can keep doing this. Otherwise, if this is, otherwise I prefer this to be where it ends, but if they do make another one solid, I'll be there anyway, because Christ, again, there was a time when we thought when, uh, well, some of us thought this wasn't going to be any good anyway. So yeah. why, why um, not give them the benefit of the doubt? Just to, just to bring this to an end, we've gone all this way. We've not mentioned the planet of the apes musical. <laughs> uh, do, do you hate every, do you hate every ape you see, Steve? that is just hilarious on uh, every level we can't um, we apparently could not escape this podcast without the obligatory simpsons reference yeah. great no okay so that's it sorry just like it when it when his agent phones him up and says have you heard of planet of the apes the planet or the movie <laughs> <laughs> uh, shall we do some recommendations then Yes, uh, although, although, although I, I mean, technically, Owen doesn't need to do any since he's already come up with 100 for the website. Well, that is exactly. literally what I was going to do as my recommendation. <laughs> Sorry. Well, shall we just shall we just do that as everyone's recommendation so we can all go to bed? <laughs> I mean, good idea, but also it's a genuinely good read for a record. Yeah, uh, no, it is. So, so Owen has um, picked uh, the 100 best films on, on Netflix, yes. which is a fantastic article on the Failed Critics website. Took three days. Three days of spreadsheets, of ratings, of coming up with small reviews for all of them. Student yes. life. You've got way too much time on your hands, dude. Yeah. 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 Are you going to keep the list updated as time goes by, perchance? No, I'm not. No. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try and I'm gonna endeavour to do ones for Amazon Prime, for Shudder, for Netflix originals, maybe, TV shows, and I would like input from people on the other ones. Good. Because um it's more fun that way. Does, does anyone else want to recommend anything while we're at it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, only because of what we talked about earlier on, Night of the Living Dead and The Crazies are both on Shudder. Yes. Okay. I'm going to go with, because I'm determined to get Owen to watch it, there's some new episode of Z Nation gone onto Netflix, <laughs> Owen. <laughs> I, I love that mischief, like that. That gleeful little imp, he he broke just in. <laughs> I love G Nation. Uh, um, I am gonna go with because uh, it was just added to Netflix um, today. Minions, which is better than anybody who actually bothers to say it is, especially in comparison to Despicable Me Three, which is mostly just a tired, miserable waste of space. Watch <laughs> it when watch it when you're not being drowned by marketing for for a Despicable Me movie. You will actually see that, that Minions is actually quite imaginative and a lot of fun. So there. Excellent. Um, so yes, that's it for this week's Failed Critics Podcast. Next week, Owen, we are joined by... People for our stuff. And I am about... I, I'm back, apparently. <laughs> yes, you are back. What are we talking about? Dunkirk, is it next week? Dunkirk. Yeah, Dunkirk. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one, yeah. And Captain Underpants.
No, but no, please, please, somebody care about DreamWorks. They might not be around much longer. <laughs> I actually saw the trailer for that and thought it didn't look too bad. When no, I saw it, the poster and stuff, I thought that's going to be fucking awful. And the trailer made me laugh a couple of times. Yeah, so. well, I mean, it's based on the cat. I, I liked the Captain Underpants books when I was younger. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, problem is, is just being sent out to mur- like to die, like like Fox are murdering this. Yeah, thing. you can't send yeah. something like that out on Dunkirk release week. Exactly. Oh, oh no, no, it came out. It also came out um, a month ago in America to deafening oh. silence. Well, yeah. When Wonder Woman came out. Yep. Okay. Oh no. Yep. Same week. Same week and everything. Like I like I get that this is the last in Fox's deal with DreamWorks, but at the same time, this is a fucking murder. It's. Like, like you could try that in courts, and people would convict, like, would convict 20th Century Fox of murder here. It's unconscionable. Or maybe it's crap. We'll find out next week. Mm. I I need to go because I need to probably put some ice on my ankle, have a shower, have some food, and watch Game of Thrones. Good as excuses we've ever had. Yeah. Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, with contributions from different guests every week, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com from the track The Bandit, remixed by James Yule, who you can find at jamesyule.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Failed Critics, on iTunes and all good podcast apps, or you can check us out at failedcritics.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating or a review, and why not check out our sister podcasts, Character Unlock and Field and Mullinger's Underground Nights from the failed media network of podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.